Hello and welcome to Popcorn Optional, a weekly movie podcast where we talk all things movie. And this week, we are getting into Elf, the classic Christmas film, as it celebrates its 15th anniversary. Hard to believe 15 years makes me feel old. It's uh, crazy. Yeah, kind of scary. I'm Cameron Salina. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jake Brown and Trevor Allison. What's up? Yeah, our first Christmas movie on this podcast. Oh, Is it yeah. really? We didn't do any last year? Well, we did Die Hard, but I don't want to get into that. <laughs> okay. I wasn't on that episode, and I just want to say really quick that if Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie, you guys need to get out of here. It's a Christmas movie. We addressed it. No, it's not a Christmas movie. It just happens during Christmas. We addressed it. It's, it's That's over. like saying that Iron Man 3 is not a Christmas movie. Or like Jurassic World isn't a f- Christmas movie. Like, no, those, yeah, those they're both Christmas certain. movies. Yeah, definitely they both Certainly. take place at Christmas time. No, no, get out of here. You weren't on the episode, Cameron. You lost your vote. But now yeah. we are doing a Christmas movie. Well, that's your problem. Is Elf a Christmas movie? That's the debate here. Is Elf a Christmas movie? <laughs> what is a Christmas movie? <laughs> what a debate. <laughs> what is a Christmas movie? Uh, Interesting. Interesting idea. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Let's define that. What's a, well, so here's the weird thing. I have. I don't know if you guys are this way. Do you guys have movies that you watch around Christmas time, even though they have nothing to do with Christmas? Like there are certain movies that like came out around Christmas time, and so to me, it's like I always this time of year want to watch them. Like one example is like I always want to watch the Harry Potter films around Christmas time. Something about them that feels mm-hmm. Christmassy. Um, yeah. Peter Jackson's King Kong came out in like mid December. Uh, when it came out and so that to me always feels like i'm like oh i always want to watch it at this time of year do you guys have movies <laughs> like that that it's like it's not christmas movie like king Kong has nothing to do with christmas neither does tron legacy but i watch both of them every <laughs> christmas <laughs> the the harry potter movies make sense because a lot of times christmas is a part of the plot in some sense and just like the music has a lot of bells and stuff it, it's very christmas inspired in the aesthetic um for me, my family's tradition, and I think this says a lot about our family, is watching uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Okay. That's our right. tradition That's movie. a Christmas movie. Yeah, that's for sure a Christmas movie. But that's really the only like, oh, it's Christmas time. This is the movie that I'm going to yeah, watch. I, I would say for me, it's just the, the idea of watching more movies than normal around Christmas is kind of what happens. It's not a specific movie, but it's like, you know, like this is the time... We don't have as many stresses as many other things to worry about. So, like, let's catch up on some movies we want to see. What makes a movie a Christmas movie to you guys? Like, what is what has to happen plot-wise, thematically in a movie for it to be a Christmas movie for you guys? Christmas has to be a main part of the plot for me, yeah. for, for me to consider it a Christmas movie. It's not just a setting. Like, another one I think of is, is like, The Family Stone I um, love the family stone at Christmas, not a Christmas movie. You don't what, think the family. So I feel like the Christmas stone is a Christmas movie because so much of the plot, like the plot wouldn't happen if it wasn't all of them coming together for it, Christmas. It could have been a funeral or someone's birthday, you know, it's not like, it's not like the Santa I don't know, Claus. The whole, like there's a huge part in the third act that has to do with presents, not like birthday, the presence of people. You could do birthday, Birthday. but it wouldn't make sense in the same way it does in the movie. I don't even know what movie you guys are talking about. So you haven't seen the Family Stone? Oh, it's it's one of the best Uh, bad movies ever made. 
It's okay. not even bad. I'll, I think it's decent. <laughs> I'll put it on the list. Yeah, to me, a Christmas movie has to de- it has to deal like kind of directly with with Santa and or something about you know the the cultural representations of Christmas, um, gift giving, like jingle all the way, that kind of thing. Oh, uh, that like it has to do with movie. Santa gift giving, not like hey, it has to do with. Why we celebrate right. Christmas. Like how many good movies have been made about the birth of Jesus? Not okay. I mean, most of them I'll be honest good. with you, because my niece is obsessed with it, there's an animated movie called The Star about the birth of Jesus from animals' perspectives. And I don't know if this is just like I watch a lot of kids' content now, and so the mediocre <laughs> ones seem great. But that movie's actually pretty fun. It's, you know, okay. pretty good. I'd give that a thumbs up. I may have just lost my movie fan card, but that's fine. Yeah, I like that movie. You have to hand that in real quick. <laughs> um, no, for me, it, it, I agree with Trevor. Like, it it can be. Well, I I'm a little looser than Trevor. I guess is I think on the Christmas standard, it just has to be like Christmas has to be some part of the main plot. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think part of it has to like. So, for example, Elf. Everything about that movie has to do with Christmas. Like. We oh, wouldn't have that yeah. movie if it wasn't it's, Christmas. No, it's it's like exploding with Christmas. It's peak, right. peak Christmas. It's just so much right. Christmas. I think we, we talked about this pre-show. Most Christmas movies are generally bad. And I think yeah. it's because they try to shoehorn Christmas into a story instead of, you know, just telling a good story. Wait, so when did you guys, <laughs> when, do you, when is an appropriate time to put up Christmas decorations? That's the bigger question. After Thanksgiving. That's, that's, that's the only answer. Is after like how far after things like if I put up Christmas decorations can, on Black Friday? No, like Black Friday is fine. It's your day off. Why? It it's a good use of time. Yeah, it has to be like it can even be the Thanksgiving night. Like as long as it's after Thanksgiving dinner, give Thanksgiving its due, guys. Like okay. it, it's a like, holiday. Like be thankful for something before you expect people to give you a bunch of junk. <laughs> I'll be really honest. I think this draws the line. This this says a lot about each of us on the podcast. Just that answer right there. I think I put up decorations about a week and a half before Thanksgiving. Oh, Cam! Like mid November. I'm. You're so optimistic, you. Cam. No. <laughs> it's the hopeful person in me. It's yeah, the it's the dad very. in me that just wants to believe that there's a better world out there for my kids. Well, there's not. So I'm here to tell you. <laughs> okay sorry i I take it back i I love your children let's go ahead and talk elf the john favreau directed 2003 film that came out of nowhere was in developmental hell for 10 years 15 years with jim carrey set to be the lead and then jim carrey was like i'm gonna make the grinch and then will ferrell was like you do you i'm gonna make elf um will ferrell was also i think offered it was like $30 million to do an mm-hmm. Elf 2, and he turned it down. So respect also, to Will Ferrell. Fun fact, I just saw Elf, its second weekend, beat uh, Master and Commander at the box office, which came Whoa. out the week, uh, one week later. All right, so let's give general opinions on Elf. Jake, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, this is one of... The- this has become one of the iconic Christmas movies, especially for our generation. Um, it definitely came out of nowhere. It's a ton of fun. I don't know anybody who doesn't like this movie. Um, I think it's just like the ultimate 
crowd pleaser for a Christmas movie. And it's also probably the, the most like relevant current crowd pleasing, like obviously Christmas movie out there that I can think of off the top of my head. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is a winner. So I want to start off by saying that I like this movie, but I don't love this movie. Whoa. I think it's because I saw it too late. I don't think I saw it until like 2011, 2012. Um, And by that time, the hype train had been out of control, of course, because everyone loves it. And I think it's good. Mm -hmm. I think it's fun. I think it's cute. I think it's sweet. But I don't love it to the extent that I know that most people of my age and, and generation do. Um, mm-hmm. but I do, th- I do agree, Jake, that it's become kind of a, an, um, I, I don't know if we have data on this or we could even look this up or I didn't think about doing this, of course. Um, but, um, it doesn't seem like as many Christmas movies come out as used to. They're not as many made as there used to be. I don't know if that's actually true or not. Um, maybe I just ignore mm-hmm. them, but it, it, I think it has kind of penetrated the culture in a really deep way that this is so much of a touchstone for Christmas films even 15 years later. Well, I think it's easy to remember that like, cause nowadays Will Ferrell is one of the biggest movie stars in comedy that's out there. But in 2003, like he was, he was decent, like Lee regarded, but he wasn't the star that he is today. I think this is really the film that kind of catapulted him into who he is today. Cause before this, you know, he had uh, Zoolander, um, he had just been an old school, so he's, you know, every legend like of Ron Burgundy doesn't come out. Knew who he was and loved him. Right, right. Ron Burgundy doesn't come out until like, two thousand four. So yeah, before this, it was either like really raunchy R-rated comedy or like ridiculous character actor. He yeah, never th- really like carried a film like this before. I think this is the one that makes him a household name. Um, mm-hmm, for sure. I don't like. Yeah, there's definitely not as many Christmas movies. I mean, this year that we got three. There's The Grinch, the animated film, um, Nutcracker in the Four Realms, and then the Zom Rom Com musical, <laughs> Anna and the Apocalypse. That's too many. That's too many descriptors. Which is actually <laughs> supposed to be really good. So, um, okay. goodness, last year. There's so many movies that come out that it's like, oh, I forgot that was a thing. Daddy's Home 2 with Will Ferrell and Mark Ugh. Wahlberg. Can we stop trying to make Mel Man, Gibson happen? I saw that trailer like 15 times in theaters, I think. Mm-hmm. It just showed before Yeah, because we were doing a podcast and it played in front of every single movie. Oh my gosh. I mean, that being said, it's there's definitely not as many Christmas movies. I love this movie. It holds a special place in my heart for a lot of reasons, just like any movie that I get nostalgic about. I mean, this is a movie that when me and my sister would wake up on Christmas morning before we would even do presents or anything, we would watch this as like everyone was kind of getting up. So like, I mean, we did that for 10 years. Like I remember in college I'd come home for Christmas and we would still do that. Um, so there's a lot of tradition for me around this movie. I do love it a lot just as a movie by itself. I think it captures kind of like that. Like when I'm looking for like a Christmas movie, um, I want like to walk out of it with like hope. And I think this movie captures just that hope and like joy of the holiday season a lot. Mm-hmm. So as far as like Christmas movies for me go, this checks a lot of the boxes. It's funny. It has a hopeful message. 
Um, it makes you feel good. Like I don't walk out of this being like, gosh, I feel like garbage from that movie. I don't want to do anything Christmas related. Um, <laughs> so it checks a lot of boxes for me. Um, what are, so Trevor, when you're talking about like, you don't love it, what are some things that keep you from saying this is like a top five Christmas movie of all time? It's, it's just a little bit, I don't know. Cliche isn't quite the right word. It's like, I don't know. I guess it was just that I, I had been built up so much and it wasn't quite as good as I expected it to be after what people were talking about. Um, I, I get that. I mean, like I saw pitch perfect in theaters, like, six weeks after it had been out and people were like this is literally the best movie you're ever going to see in your <laughs> life and i went to go see it and i was like oh yeah that, that, that was fun yeah, people yeah, were like I mean, you didn't love this movie yeah i get it it's actually, i think i was it, one of those people because i <laughs> yeah, saw it like opening weekend and i was like this is incredible <laughs> and i get it now like it's not like the greatest but from what I thought it was going to be to what it ended up being was way mm-hmm. above my expectation. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think the the biggest issue for me is I personally the the shtick of Will Ferrell acting like a like a little kid gets a little bit old um, <laughs> throughout the film. Um, okay. Did you guys that, see the honest trailer that just came out this week on this? <laughs> There's a whole like part where it's like, and let's just skip over the whole fact that Zoe Deschanel has a romantic relationship with somebody who has the emotional capacity of an eight year old. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little bit weird. That is true, I guess. Listen, the the worst part of this movie is is when he's making his food, and it is disgusting. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Apparently, he got. Will Ferrell ate so much sugar on the set of this that he got like really sick and like terrible <laughs> headaches. He threw up the first time that they did the spaghetti thing. Yeah, um, that's, like yeah, the that's first the time one. he filmed it, he just like uncontrollably threw up that they had to then be like, all right, we got to film this again. Can you imagine like throwing up from something and then being like, all right, well, since we messed up that take, let's do it again. I'd be Man, like, yeah, get out of here. That's a dedication. That's a good actor right there. But I will I, say Will Ferrell's I, like, he is such a great, he's so great at physical comedy. Like the ways uh-huh. that he, like the timing that he has with his motions and actions, I think is very underrated. And I think that's on display here. Like just how, like the bouncing off the couch onto the Christmas tree or the whole like element where he's eating the cotton balls is like, it gets me every time. <laughs> I think also the the pairing of him with James Can, like the ultimate straight man, was just brilliant casting <laughs> because they're just total opposites, and it became like a game for Will Ferrell to try and make him break. Like I think that was the incentive for him to just be as ridiculous as possible, and the uh, the the conflict between their characters Ooh, makes for a really there. interesting relationship. The conflict. So. James hey. conflict. Hey, there you go. No, I, it's. I mean, you say that, and it's that that scene where he comes in and he's singing the like "I love you, I love you, I love you," and James Conn's reaction <laughs> is just like, "Oh, that was weird." Is the perfect like straight man response to that exact action. Hmm. Um. Okay. So, what did you guys, as far as casting goes? Where are we at? Where are some of the hits and miss? Do you guys think that Will Ferrell's the right person for this, or would Jim Carrey have been better? No, Jim Carrey's too bombastically over the top, whereas Will Ferrell, like, 
is still believable. Jim Carrey's not a person. Yeah. Like, <laughs> especially in the early 2000s. I, I would yeah. recommend watching, um, I think it's the short film about Jim Carrey called it, like, I Needed Color. It's about him as a painter and an artist and, like, as a human being. And it's really interesting. Um, it's, it's, like, after his girlfriend died, he got really into painting. And it's it's beautiful. But uh, early 2000s Jim Carrey had maybe a little too much cocaine going on. <laughs> I don't know exactly. But yeah, even he was not a human. Even though I sort of, I guess, just complained about this. I, this movie, a lot of it works because of Will Ferrell's ability to kind of portray this childlike demeanor. Um, that's where a lot of the comedy comes from. And Jim Carrey, I think, can't couldn't do that. It, everything always had this kind of edge to it. Um, everything that he's done, I think, kind of has this like slight, even though even in not necessarily a movie that's like this, but it has this slight tinge of darkness to it. And I don't think mm-hmm. this would have had the same feel. Yeah, that's fair. I think Trevor, you hit on the main part of casting Will Ferrell is that he's able to play that innocence, but. Um, I will say like Zoe Deschanel in here feels very weird. She does a great job. Um, yeah, but it's just such a like different, and I don't know if like it's because we have eight seasons of her playing Jess on new girl. That's the exact opposite of this character that makes this character retroactively feel weird. But like watching it recently, it's like she feels off in this movie. Yeah, she feels out of place and feels a little as if she's out of character. Like, she's not comfortable playing that character. Um, I do think it is kind of that thing where it's like, John Krasinski is forever cursed to be Jim Halpert. You know, mm-hmm. like, Zoe, Zoe Deschanel is forever cursed to be Jess from New Girl. And that's that's kind of the the personality that she has created um, through her, her music and her style and that show and all, all the other roles that she's done. Uh, I think she does as good of a job as she can. She, she was John Favreau's second choice. I believe, I don't remember who was the first choice, but yeah, she feels a little out of place here. Yeah, I agree. I think that, I mean, I don't know that she does a bad job. I just don't think that it's quite, no, it's, I mean, I, especially with the singing aspect, she's a, she's got a fantastic voice, um, for, for doing vocals and stuff, Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, it just doesn't feel right. Like she always, she's always excelled in roles where she can be a little bit quirky. And this is a little bit too, I don't know what the right word is. She's like kind of too cool for school, <laughs> at least at the beginning a little bit. And it doesn't mm-hmm. quite fit her. And their their romantic relationship, there's just not much chemistry there, which is also due to the part that he has the mental capacity of an eight-year-old. But... <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah. What do you guys think about, and this is kind of off, off of our notes, but what do you guys think about the idea of there being even romance in this film? It feels kind of unnecessary to me. I think so much of this movie is getting like, I've thought about this a lot. And part of that is they're trying to get Will Ferrell's character to a place where he sees the humanity of the world. And I think like romance is a very good way to kind of ground that and have that be like an awkward kind of segue into life Um, Mm -hmm. because they have to get him to that place of like where he sees humanity, it's brokenness, like it's frustration, and then is able to still overcome that and be the same hopeful, cheery person. Um, So whether or not like I get what they're going for, whether or not you think it's effective, 
it works for me here. I don't, I don't, it never, up until the honest trailer, I had never even thought about the fact that he's an emotionally, emotionally an eight year old with in a relationship. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it, to me, it, it serves the purpose of like getting Will Ferrell's character, uh, down to a low point so that we can then get him show what, like his true heart at the end of the movie. All right. I agree. <laughs> Um, there's tons of stop like callbacks to classic films. Um, what are some of like the callbacks, whether it's, oh, there's tons of things. What are like, what are the parts of this that you guys love? Does the stop motion animals work for you guys? Or is that kind of like, what the heck are a walrus and puffin doing in here? (laughs) I think it's a fun little touch. I think it kind of plays to this whole myth of like the North pole and, what it's what it's like and what it's like when Santa lives there and the magic and that kind of thing. I think it's kind of sweet. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for classic styles stop motion animation and uh this is fantastic. Also especially the the use of the old snowman narrator from like Rudolph and like that that was a great little way to tie it into like you're instantly starting the film with emotional buy-in when you do something like that because you're like putting the viewer in something that's familiar and already has uh, sentimental value. And so that like immediately just like hook, line and sinker r- like reels us into like, Oh my gosh, this is a, this is a classic style Christmas movie. Awesome. Um, I thought they did a great job. I thought it was also a really unique way to handle like elves living in the North pole, like, and kind of the fairy tale life uh, versus doing like super, 3d cgi stuff like john favreau is currently doing in lion king um you know i think that that was the right call aesthetically super realistic narwhal (laughs) (laughs) um yeah even the costumes being like the elf costumes from rudolph the red-nosed reindeer Mm -hmm. is just an effective little touch that makes it feel familiar and like this is a classic christmas story um but Mm. i think it even goes like that like Jake, you brought up the fantasy world, but going from that fantasy world to New York is about as like flip opposite as you can get of aspects. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, even the call, like going from like the cartoon animals to the real raccoon that he encounters <laughs> is such a, like it brings you into that like naivety of the character. That's such a perfect way to transition. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So Jake in our show notes, you brought up an interesting point and I, I'm willing to put this to a vote right now um is john favreau an honorable mensch he he's he's i would say that like if we're looking at favreau as a mensch it definitely wouldn't be as an actor i don't think that he's done enough in his career to like have that vote as a director though he's made eight films i think i've seen six of them he made was his first film then he did Elf, Zathura, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Cowboys and Aliens, Chef, Jungle Book. He's about to do Lion King. So of those, I haven't seen Maid or Zathura. Of those six, though, I think four of them are good. So I'm, I'm, I'm in this like weird place where I'm like, he's super talented. He's got two very big things coming out next year that I would say... Between Lion King and uh, Star Wars, The Mandalorian, or whatever they're calling it, um, the TV show on Disney Plus, um, 
he's he's got a chance. I, I'm I'm curious to see your guys' thoughts on John Favreau as a mensch. What about his recurring role as a billionaire MMA fighter on Friends? <laughs> <laughs> Before MMA was really even a thing. Yeah, that was yeah. uh ahead of its time. That was. Um I'm a fan of John Favreau. I think he's one of those directors that consistently kind of flies under the radar, but does really high quality work um, and is able to carry big time franchises. I mean, he's been, he's been given Disney stuff. He's been given star Wars stuff. He's been given Marvel stuff, which are also all now Disney stuff. So he's, so he's been given Disney stuff. Um, And he's done a a great job with those things. I mean, he also, he has such a wide range of, like the kind of films that he's been able to make. I just think he's a, a really talented storyteller. And, uh, you know, if, if we don't let him in now, which I'm totally fine with, uh, I think that like in 10 years, he's a for sure honorable mensch. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, he is in my opinion, but Trevor, it is. Yeah. Up to you. I think he, he doesn't have the body of work, um, or the, the, I mean, the amount of credits as as a J.J. Abrams, but I think of him kind of in that realm of just like someone who can tell a story, like mm-hmm. like you just hand him a story, whether he's coming up with whether it's an original story to him or not, he just like knows how to tell it in a way that's interesting, and you can really take something tangible away from it. Um. So yeah, I think I, I don't think he's necessarily in the top tier of directors. I don't think he's doing something, anything uh, amazing or groundbreaking. We'll see what happens with the Lion King. Um, But I think he's someone who always says something worth saying with his films. So I would say, yes, I agree as well. Um, John Favreau is a mensch. It's a weird vote for me because like different stages of his career, I have very different answers. Like post Iron Man, I'm like, yeah, He's done Elf. He's done Iron Man. I'd put him in. Post, like, fast forward three years later, post Iron Man 2, post Cowboys and Aliens, it's like, yeah, maybe he just had two good movies in him. (laughs) Um, Then he did Chef, which is one of my favorite films of 2014. I think Jungle Book is very... I think we'll look back on Jungle Book as a very groundbreaking film. Do I... Am I interested in something solely because... You don't have to say yes, Cam. Well... Only say yes if you feel the yes. I I like John Favreau. I would be remiss if I did not mention how great he is as Happy Hogan. Yeah, that is also true. He's absolutely (laughs) fantastic. He's a great character actor. He's such a curmudgeon. When he's also often directing, which is... I love that. Which, speaking of other Christmas movies, he's in a movie called Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon, where he is one of Vince Vaughn's MMA-loving brothers, and he does that pretty darn well. Well, there yeah, you go. It's, uh, it's kind of a funny movie. Okay, I would, I'm going to have to say I would put him on the pending list because I am nervous about Lion King. Um, okay. I think that if he nails Lion King, he's in for sure. Like there's like okay, I'm there on he he goes into the like I don't even know who he would go into he'd go in, I'm trying I can't think of anybody off the top of my head but he'd go into the category of people that it's like you've gone you've gotten your lifetime of bad films to where like I'll see anything you do if you nail Lion King 
where are you guys at with the lessons in this movie? Is it effective at what it's trying to do or does it kind of just like leave you at the end feeling bleh? I mean, it's kind of this, at least in my opinion, it's kind of this slightly kind of hokey thing of like, be positive and kind to each other. Not that that's a bad thing per se. Um, I think the most interesting thing that this movie is saying is like this weird critique of, of corporate America where it says like, you know, you'd be better off as a person and as a business if you really care about the products that you make. (laughs) And I think that, I think that um, Apple and the like have kind of fooled us into this thing where these giant corporations make these items, these products for us for the greater good and also to make money. Um, And I don't know if that's necessarily true all the time, but I think that there is something true there that like, if you really do care about your customer, your product is going to improve because of that. I don't know if that's what the movie is set out to say, but that's something big that I pulled from it. That's an interesting take on that. Um, And I definitely think that you can pull that from this film. I think for me, it's just like be yourself spread cheer wherever you go. Um, And, you know, like it's obviously a Christmas film. So it's like believe in Christmas, the spirit of Christmas, which is spreading cheer. Um, But, you know, Buddy the Elf is successful because he embraces the unique, the unique things that make him buddy the elf. And so for me, it's like be yourself. Cause even if you don't fit in somewhere, you have skills that nobody else has and blah, blah, blah. Every other stereotypical motivational <laughs> thing from movies, you know? So, uh, it's a little cheesy. I like Trevor's version better. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Well, um, I think that that's all that we have for our review. Uh, let's go ahead and get to our final thoughts and ratings. Yeah, so my final thought for this is one of the things that Jake wrote as a theme is don't be a cotton-headed Nicky Muggins. <laughs> don't do it. Just don't do it. Um, my rating on this theme. is like a... Um, it's like uh, M&M's on spaghetti. <laughs> it's like, it's like kind of weird, but, but, but works in the right ways. Have you had that? <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I like this movie. This this is this is like I said, I was underwhelmed by it when I saw it. Um, one thing I do want to mention is I have seen the Broadway musical, um, Broadway style musical. I guess I, I saw it in Dallas. Um, yeah. but I saw it a couple years ago, and it's not very good. Um, the music is not very interesting and I did not really enjoy it very much. So it didn't really work for me on that level, but the movie fun, sweet, um, definitely one of the good Christmas movies. I will echo Trevor's thoughts on the Broadway play having seen it. Oh, okay. I I haven't seen it, so I guess I won't see it now. Um, yeah. For me, this is probably like a a top 10 Christmas movie, maybe a top five. I don't know. Um, I'm not a huge Christmas movie fan besides, I mean, Christmas Vacation. I already mentioned that. Um, 
but it's you know it's it's great it's fun like there's nothing here to not like i mean it's i don't know anybody that doesn't like this movie will ferrell gives a great performance john favreau does a fantastic job with the directing the whole montage of him in new york is hilarious and they did that with just will ferrell john favreau and a cameraman and like all of those people that he's interacting with are real new york city people and that's just hilarious yeah um so for me i mean this is this is an a minus i mean i say that with like the context of it being a christmas movie you know um but it's it's great awesome yeah this is uh an a for me i love this movie a whole lot it holds a lot of sentimental value a lot of uh just good memories with this movie and uh one of my favorites is i went to go see this at alamo draft house with my wife and they gave you a bunch of marshmallows to throw during the snowball uh scene (laughs) and then they gave you bells so anytime that they're singing you could like ring the bells and then um there was bubbles so that anytime that they kissed you could blow like the bubbles and then it would kind of fill up the whole theater give this kind of little bubbly um so what you're saying is you saw it the best you saw it in 4d i saw it in 4d (laughs) yeah it was epic um so yeah i love i love this movie a lot great film uh yeah that's all we have for our review let's go ahead and get to our content of the week trevor what is your content of the week okay so um i'm definitely going to keep it on the christmas movie theme um among christmas films that i love that i would consider as true christmas films um the original dr seuss is how the grinch stole christmas the animated one with the just the amazing song you're a mean one mr grinch what a song Mm. um i love that i love i know it's only it's like a short basically it's 20 25 minutes charlie brown christmas is so great it talks about the true meaning of christmas it has great music um it's just very sweet and kind and probably my favorite Christmas movie, and this is a little bit of a sentimental pick and a family pick from back in the day, but I love the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Just like the the extremes to which it takes the idea of how Santa gets made and where he comes from, and like a teenage David Crumholtz as Bernard the head elf is just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, um, I I love the Santa Claus. Highly recommend. Yeah. For me, is based on Zoe Deschanel being in this movie. I'm going to recommend the She and Him Christmas albums. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're some of my favorite Christmas albums because they aren't in-your-face Christmas music, which you just hear constantly on the radio. Uh, it's just a much more, like, in the background, something you can actually enjoy for a long period of time, but it's also about Christmas. So I would recommend checking those out. Those are uh, some of the better Christmas albums in our rotation this time of year. My content of the week is Creed 2. That's right. uh, if you like the Rocky films, you like being pumped up beyond belief to the point where you want to run out of the theater uh, shadow boxing, you know, this is your movie. I will say this movie, the normal formula of a boxing movie, ha- this plays a lot with your ideas of what that should be. I was going into this movie going, okay, this happened in the first Creed film. So this will probably happen fight wise in the second Creed film. And they throw you quite a few, um, twists and turns with that. And as always, like you have Michael B. Johnson and Tessa Thompson doing amazing things. Surprisingly, Dolph Lundgren being great 
and uh, you know Sylvester Stallone still in his final uh, Rocky movie that he's going to be in. So yeah, and shout yeah. out to Cameron for seeing it, and that was the movie we were supposed to see, and then my schedule got crazily mixed up and we pivoted and did elf so sorry cameron <laughs> it was worth it it's a great movie i can't recommend it enough um if you haven't seen creed see creed and then go see this yeah it's, yes i don't are, are, are there people out there who don't like michael b jordan i think he's one of the, the best for me he's White like a top 10 actor probably. working right now oh gosh I mean, I'm, you asked. I'm just maybe, telling. Maybe someone who like only saw Fantastic Four doesn't <laughs> see anything else. That's fair. Yeah. Like they haven't seen Chronicle. They haven't seen Creed. They haven't the seen Night Lights. Fruitvale Station. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, that's all we have for this week. Uh, if you've liked listening to us, we'll be back next week with a whole new podcast. Whether it's on something new or something old we don't know it's kind of depending on what's playing where uh you know mary queen of scots comes out this week but i don't know if that's wide um so i don't know but yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens come back next week to find out uh if you've enjoyed we'll listening too. to we don't know yeah we don't know <laughs> if you enjoyed listening to us please go to itunes subscribe rate review and share us with your friends and family uh this holiday season as you guys are watching elf say hey there's a fun podcast that just did a review on elf why don't you give it a listen that'd be a lot yeah. to us uh if you want to know more about us you can go to our website at popcornoptional.com if you want to interact with us the best place to do that would be on Twitter at Popcorn Optional. My name is Cameron Salina. You can find me online at 321 Time. Jake, where can we find you online? My name is Jake Brown. You can find me at jakebrown.tv. That is my website and my Instagram. And I got a lot of stuff coming soon. So check it out. Trevor. All right. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Turbo Trevor. Awesome. Until next time, we hope you all have a great week. Watch some movies. And in the words of Michael Scott, we'll be back ASAP as possible. Goodbye. I'll be good now. <laughs> <laughs>